you doing? Come on, stream. You can do it. Them streams rolling. Two up, two streams are up and running. Two are up and running. Go ahead and kill the sound. How about you kill that sound? Oh, good Monday morning to you. Hopefully you're having a good day. Um, as everybody starts coming online. I don't know about Twitch. Twitch takes so dang long. Let's put this out again. Let's make sure that we're getting the chat working. Let's see if it's going to send to everyone. Twitch, not to YouTube, but to Facebook. Okay. Guess we're going to see how things roll along this morning. There's the stream. Okay. Streams are everywhere. Wow, it takes a while. It's The weird part of the morning is getting all the streams up and running. Um, I think Restream, I don't know. We'll see if Restream has actually fixed the problem with their chat or if they're just f f fooling us. Um, I should have a chat window here. Somewhere. There we go. Here's another chat window. Let's watch three chat windows at once. That's the thing we do on Monday. It's Monday. We got a new month. Um, new challenges. New new things to do. Uh, new places to go. All kinds of stuff. Uh, this morning is the morning. We're, this morning we're talking about, uh, guess what? We're going to talk about the, the biggest thing that we, we've always been talking about. Obviously, COVID-19 is out there. People are still using that for phishing schemes, launching their attacks, that kind of stuff. But that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about ransomware. Ransomware, ransomware, ransomware. So, uh, number one, there was a ransomware redistributor that's been nabbed up in Belarus. Um, number two, there's a piece of ransomware that's been modified, and now it impacts not only Windows systems, but also Linux systems. Um, and it looks like it's just a carrier in Win in Linux. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that is. Um, and then there's a big old technical analysis of a piece of ransomware called Wasted Locker. Uh, if you guys know about the Garmin thing a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, uh, the Garmin attack a few weeks ago, Wasted Locker was the tool of choice. And we're also going to look into uh, some vulnerabilities in Microsoft Azure. Azure, their uh, security operations center product. And then we're also going to finish it up with some voice over IP flaws. That's the stuff that's in the news today. That's what's going on in the news today as you guys are starting your Monday, getting, getting the days going. And look at that. Uh, right off the bat, it looks looks like Paul's here. Good thing I'm watching those those chats, but he's not. His messages just aren't coming through, even though even though all of the wonderful things that Restream said they were doing, it's just not. It's not coming through. It's not getting to where I need it to be, so I can put it on the screen. So I don't know, Restream. This is like strike fifty five on your batting lineup um let's see where folks are at this morning uh three on youtube and one on twitch so you get people are using the other platforms i'm i'm thinking you know those folks on twitch you might have to 
see us on YouTube. I don't, I don't know. I don't don't think Twitch, Facebook. I think we're gonna probably go back to the, the original plan of just dropping it. It's not. It's not coming through. It's not. I'm not getting the chats. I see Paul. Paul, I see you out there. I, I see you. Good morning. Um, I'm just not. I'm not getting the. Not getting it all the way through the stream. So technically, something is broken, uh, and it's way beyond my control. It looks like it's out in restream land. There's nothing we can do about that. So uh, it looks like the only the only choice we got is we can abandon abandon that uh, movement to the other platforms. We're just going to go to the one that everyone seems to be on. More and more people are on YouTube than the other platform. So looks like we'll drop it. Now see there. Do I want to draw, adopt you? Uh, I want somebody to adopt me. Simone. Simone's? Simone's. Uh, do we start flirting with some of Cyber Recon volunteers? Make some heads roll? Oh, so firing. Sorry to say flirting. It's firing. Uh, it's not. It's way outside. It's, it's restream. It's not. Uh, it's not... Uh, it's nothing we can control. I've tried everything Restream's told us. I, I've done all of the things. Um, and it's just it's just not working, man. It's just not it's not working. So we're gonna we're gonna probably like Twitch. I don't know what that is. Um, oh it's thanks. Uh Dobesta? Diobesta. Diobesta? It's a thanks in Italian. Thanks thanks in Italian, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, we're just, it looks like we're going to... I don't know. Now they're coming through. Is it a timing thing? I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, yeah, see, it takes, takes a little bit to get where it needs to go. Uh... Flirting again. Yeah. More flirting. Flirting with, with the wife's about all I can do. Um, <laughs> two females all we got here. Still, they're still outnumbered, I think. Uh, two and two. Two and three, actually, Jimmy. Jimmy's usually remote. So, anyways, enough on that. Enough on the weirdness with with the restream. I, I And now it's working. I don't know, Paul. Maybe just doesn't like Paul. I don't know, Paul. We got, got your message come through. I can see it on YouTube. I can see it on the YouTubes. I can, I didn't see it on Restream, and now all this other stuff is coming through. Uh, Samaz coming through, Alice is coming through. I don't know. We're just we're just having a having a Monday, maybe. I don't know. Restreams, good features, but maybe implemented. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, and we do have one review of a of a product that I just got in yesterday in the mail. Probably came in Friday or Saturday. I didn't pull it out of the mail till yesterday. Um, on home automation. So home automation piece, uh, I think this is the last piece we needed for that set. We've got all the stuff for home automation. We've got all the stuff for the networking. Um, we just got to start building these projects out now. And that's going to start this very week. This week, we're going to start talking um, about the network, start talking about the Cyber Recon World Global Headquarters, Universal Headquarters, Galaxy Wide Headquarters. We're going to start looking at our network, what it looks like now. Um, Showing you some of the ugliness that it looks like now. And this looks like many people's networks. Um, 
you know, just like they sprawl and it is IT sprawl. Uh, and we see that you know, we see server sprawl is one of the things we have to watch out for in virtualization. IT sprawl is one of the things I bet some of you have and you don't even know it. And I didn't know how bad it was here until we started looking at doing this project where we're going to revamp this the the uh, network and the network security. And I started actually I didn't get Visio. Um, I know a lot of people are fans of Visio. I just got PowerPoint because uh, I already got it. I, I, I have a hard time paying for Visio because it's it, it, I don't know. I, maybe tell me some of the great features of it. It used to have some great things, some plugins. It did some great wonderful things. I think it was PowerPoint. So I went to PowerPoint, went to the old PowerPoint, grabbed a bunch of clip art and started, okay, started at the center, started at the access point and started building out, okay, what do we have on our IoT network, which surprised me. Um, it shouldn't have, because I knew a lot of stuff we had out there. I knew we had a lot of IoT stuff and it just kind of grew. But then I started, okay, now let's look at the, the, the networking components. And networking components, I figured I counted Printers, phones, and computers. That's all I put on that. Then IoT is obviously the IoT, all the IoT stuff. Um, it, just, it was amazing. <laughs> amazing the stuff that's out there. So I think, and we'll, we'll go over this more when we start this week, when we start talking about all of the um, components of the network that we're going to build this multiple, this uh multi-segmented network that we're building of the future using uh, Unify's products. And you'll see it's almost, you know, almost 60, I think it's over 60 different devices connected. Oh, that's the other, the third network is the uh, entertainment stuff. TVs, Roku's, um, Xbox, that kind of stuff is all on that third network. So we're gonna, really, we're going to build four networks when we build out the Ubiquiti stuff. We're going to build out the main computing network, uh, that's computers and iPads and printers and phones, IoT stuff, all our elect, uh, you know, our virtual assistant that we cross the room we can't say, um, automated lights, all that kind of stuff, uh, and then um, the entertainment network, right, and then. Um, I guess we'll have the fourth one because we'll have cameras. We'll have the cameras that are all on the a network too. So those will all be segmented out into VLANs, their own VLANs. And we can do throttling and quality of service, all that good stuff that we want to do. So that'll be part of the build this week. The first part is obviously looking at just the network as it is today. How was that Xfinity router secured? How did we secure the Xfinity router? We'll walk through that. There's two parts of that. There's using a, a web browser and your computer. And then there's using your phone for the last mile of setup. There's some stuff you have to do on your phone to really fine tune it. And that's where we're going to see this. We're going to see this trend more and more where you're not configuring everything on a computer anymore. You're doing a lot of configurations on your phone, uh, on your mobile device. So that's coming. Obviously, that's a good thing. Um, so we know what's coming in the news. I'll play the intro. That'll give me a time to move things around. And you'll be right back in a second. And hopefully... Hopefully, and we'll jump into the news of the day. Awesome, and we're on to the news. So, first thing up, we're going to talk about uh, Grand Crab ransomware. Um, in a press release this week, uh, the Minister of Internal Affairs of Belarus, Belarus, 
announced that a 31-year-old man has been charged with distributing Grand Crab ransomware. And if we were, think back to when we talk, we've talked about Grand Grand Crab before, and this is ransomware as a service. And I know if Mike's out there, he'll he loves ransomware as a service. So this is ransomware as a service. You can go out and you can subscribe. You can be an affiliate essentially to Grand Crab. They'll set you up a, a panel, a control panel. You'll get the software. You'll be able to modify this, and then you'll be able to send it out to your own victims, right? And that's that's what this guy got nailed for. It's obviously a bad thing. This is this is why ransomware is so prolific, 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 whatever. It's it's everywhere. Uh, is what I'm trying to say. It's everywhere because we've got big groups like Maze that are doing big, you know, movements as an enterprise. And then you've got folks like Grand Crab, this Grand Crab uh, environment. And these guys claim they've made $2 billion with a B, Grand Crab, the, the main MLM organization. And you think about it, these are, these are no different than, you know, Amazon affiliate or um, I mean, even like, I guess, what's the kitchen stuff? Uh, Pampered Chef stuff, right? So the, at the top is Grand Crab. And they just, you know, get people under you. They get, they sell their software, they sell their service to other people that want to be malicious. But then that those malicious people, I think maybe, um, I don't know if we, what would we call them? I don't even know if they would, they wouldn't be script kiddies because they're not even, they're not even stealing script. They're going into a console, they're modifying things with a GUI, and then they're redistributing it. So it's even like, I guess we'll call them script kiddies because it's really not a term for them yet, I don't think. Maybe we need to come up with our own term for these guys. So they get the, they, they modify the, the malware, they build their generally phishing campaign, and then they send it out. And this guy, um, they didn't release his name. Um, he was in Gommel, and it's a small city in the southeast of Belarus at the intersection of Russia and the Ukraine border. Um, it's where this guy got nabbed at. Um, he sent out more than uh he sent out emails to enough people where he's got a thousand victims more than a thousand victims and he was acting asking for about twelve hundred dollars uh in bitcoin to unlock the files um and they don't say how much they, the, the article from zdnet doesn't say how many how much money he made um but vladimir zastev zastev the deputy head of the High-tech crime department in the Ministry of International Affairs said the, the suspect infected victims in more than 100 countries, with most located in India, the U.S., Ukraine, U.K., Germany, France, Italy, and Russia. And I think the Russian one's the one that got him. If he left Russia alone, it seems like if, you leave, if you're a hacker in Russia and you leave Russia alone, Jim's, Jim's point of view, they kind of leave you alone. But I think if he would have just left Russia alone, he might not have been nabbed, but they, they got him, they picked him up, um, you know, and they're, they're taking him in. So, uh, about Grand Crab, um, Grand Crab really is defunct. They, they, they've stopped working. There's other ransomware as a service out there. Um, the problem with Grand Crab is it wasn't built very well. And in a very short period of time, there was decryptors that were available. Um, that if you got encrypted with, with Grand Crab, you could just go get a decryptor and decrypt your own stuff. So the, the logarithm wasn't very strong. Um, they launched in 2018 and the affiliates and 
the main program shut down June 2019. But this guy just got nabbed just now. Um, as well put together, towards the towards the end of June 2019, the service was losing affiliates and distributors as they moved to other ransomware as a service, or RAAS, if you're keeping track of the many, many growing uh, cloud technology terms. Um, you know, the, the, the other play, our other RAS services had stronger offerings and took smaller cuts to the profit. Um, Belarusian authorities said Grand Crab made more than 54,000 victims across the world, including 156 in their country. Um, so Grand Crab, I mean, that, the Grand Crab itself is not the thing in the story. The, the, the piece in the story on this one is that Belarus, Russians, uh, Belarus and the Russians uh, in general, um, are cracking down on these folks, but again, my personal opinion is if they leave Russian and other Russian affiliate countries out of the loop, uh, out of the attack pattern, they, they don't get nailed so hard. They don't get zapped. Um, so that's my take on the world. But know that you know there there are if you are in this nefarious world, this world of distribution of ransomware. Um, there's plenty of profit, but there's plenty of risk. You get nabbed, and you're, you're probably going to go away for a long, long time, I, I, would, I would think. Um, Garmin, we talk, talk about, oh, this is actually, no, we're one off on our, one off. I don't think we have a, a logo for this. Um, TrickBot. Oh, we did well, yeah, I didn't put it. TrickBot. We talked, we talked about TrickBot before, and I'm, I don't have a graphic over yonder, so we'll just talk about it. Um, the big thing about this second article, uh, as we've seen, there's a trend in building malware to go after multi-platforms. So it's going to go after Windows, and it's going to go after Linux. Um, and this, this article, it's a little bit ambiguous. To me, it's like one of the points is ma the malware first infects Linux systems and can travel through those systems to drop payloads on Windows machines. So it seems like it's using... The, Win the Linux machines as a carrier to find Windows machines. So it looks like it's not really, it, it is obviously attacking the Linux machine, but it seems like it's not doing the malicious payload on that. It's just using it at the Linux machine to transfer to Windows machines. That's what it seems like. It's looking, it's using those Linux machines as carriers across the network. According to the researchers, the malware acts as a covert backdoor persistence tool in the Unix environment and lets the malware pivot to Windows. Uh, many IoT devices like routers, computers, VPN devices, NAS devices, um, running Linux distributions could be potentially affected by TrickBot's Anchor underscore Linux malware. And that's what the name of this thing is. So it's part of the Anchor malware um, suite because the first one is just Anchor, right? So TrickBot, according to this article from Cyware Social, TrickBot, a multi-purpose Windows malware has evolved as one of the most reliable backdoors for several other payloads. In recent report, the researchers found that TrickBot, TrickBot's Anchor malware is now present in new Linux versions. Um, a log file in temp anchor.log. Uh, existence on a Linux system is proof that users infected by the Anchor underscore, uh, Anchor underscore Linux malware. So if you find this in your temp directory, or TMP directory. If you find anchor.log, that's an indicator that you've been infected by this thing, right, on your Linux machine. Because it doesn't, unless I'm reading the article wrong, and I, I, you know, I hope you guys all check out the article. 
It looks like it's using the Linux machine just to travel to Windows machines, um, but it does build the backdoor. I'm sure that backdoor can be used in a later date to do other things to the Linux machine. Um, so anchor underscore DNS, uh, DNS malware has been found and used on high value, high impact targets uh, with valuable financial information. In an, act, an attack campaign back in December 2019, threat actors used the new variant of the anchor underscore DNS tool as a backdoor uh, to stealthily communicate with uh, C2 servers or command and control servers. And this is one we talked about where it's using DNS to do command and control. It, it sends a request to a DNS server that can't be resolved, so that gets forwarded to this anchor D, uh, uh, owned DNS machine that sends the command back to the, the uh, exploited system uh, for command and control. Good morning, Kevin. Good to, good to see you as always. Um, you know, and what we want to do, you know, always patch your systems. Always keep the antivirus up to, up to date. Um, the next steps, according to Cyware, uh, it's believed that Anchor underscore Linux is still under development due to the testing functionality pr present in the Linux executable. Security experts say that Linux systems and IoT, e IoT Internet of Things, devices must have adequate protection and monitoring to detect, detect threats like Anchor underscore Linux. So obviously, if you're running Linux, you're running Windows, you're running Mac, you need to have some type of malware protection, even though you, you don't think you do. Most, you know, a lot, a lot of Linux people, a lot of Mac people are like, I don't, I don't need that. I'm, I'm good, I got a Mac, I got a Linux, whatever. Um, what you can do near term, uh, if you're using something like Tripwire, or using something where you can look for a file on your your system, like a FIM tool of some type, a file integrity monitor, just keep track of your temp file. Look for this anchor.log file. If it shows up, you know you're done. You know you got the malware. And if you also have Windows components on your network, definitely check them things out. So why would they do this? Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a way to distribute their malware to a more broad environment. Um, and it looks, looks to me today that this is just the first piece Right now, just using Linux machines as a carrier to get to Windows machines. Um, so if it can find a Linux machine, can drop this on a Linux machine, use that Linux machine to try to find Windows machines to drop it, then drop it on those Windows machines. It looks like this is going to evolve to a more potent Linux attack tool. Uh, it looks like they're de developing that. But I would say, you know, keep an eye out. Keep your stuff updated. Train your users, um, obviously. Um, patching, updating are critical. Have defense in depth and diversity of defense on your network, especially if you're in your, your day job and you're in, uh, in, a, in a larger corporate environments. Obviously, lock it down at home, too. So it's a good good article about this. The third article we're going to talk about, which does have uh, our logo, and I put Garmin up there because Garmin was the the, the big the big talk uh, last week or the week before. Um, I think Ralph brought it up that... Um, they were attacked, and, and the exploit was um, Wasted Locker was used to, to lock up Garmin's servers, uh, the data Garmin had. And this, this article by Kapersky is really a technical analysis of Wasted Locker, which is really nice. It's got the command line arguments. Um, it's got some screenshots of how, how, it, how it works. It's got some UAC for Windows, how it bypasses UAC. It talks about the cryptographic scheme. So those crypto folks out there, um, it's just it's it's a well written article. It's got some recommendations, um, and it's also got 
the indicators of compromise, what you can load into your, your, your SIM to look for this thing on your network. And hopefully you guys are already looking for it. So um, the article starts by saying, um, and this article is by Kapersky itself. So of course they're going to try to push Kapersky products on you. A lot of us can't use Kapersky because it's, it's, you know, Russian. Um, there's some, some questionable things about Kapersky to start with. I've heard, uh, I don't want to be sued by Kapersky, but, uh, there's some reasons most of the federal government, the U S government has dropped Kapersky. And that's, that's something for you guys to, to research a little bit. Um, there's been some, some talk of them sending information back to Russia. Um, Anyways, article says the use of crypto ransomware in targeted attacks is, has become ordinary occurrence lately, and new incidents are being reported every month. Sometimes even more often. I say more often. We talk about ransomware all the time on this channel. Uh, on July 23rd, Garmin, a major manufacturer of navigation equipment and smart devices, including smart watches, bracelets, uh, experienced a massive service outage, as confirmed by an official statement later. The cause of the downtime was a cyber incident involving data encryption. The situation was so dire that at the time of the writing of this post, which was uh, the 29th of July, uh, the operation of the affected online service had not been fully restored. According to currently available information, the attack saw threat actors use a targeted build of the Trojan wasted locker. Uh, an increase in the activity of malware is noticed in the first half of 2020. Um, so it's got, this article goes on, talks about all the different um, command line arguments of the of the uh, tool, how it's, uh, like I said, how it's doing a UAC bat bypass, crypto for this thing, um, and then recommendations. Obviously, when we're jump to recommendations, right? Um, use an up-to-date OS and application versions. That's essentially saying patch your systems, keep them updated. Uh, refrain from using RDP or remote desktop processing. Um, access uh, to the internet unless necessary. RDP to the internet is scary. I don't know. I put, personally, I put RDP in the same category as what we call the R services in Linux. I just, and it's a good place, all, just all R services. So RDP along, belongs with all those R services that are very, very tricky in Linux. They, they allow a lot of access if you do them wrong. Um, so, you, you know, don't use RDP on the internet. Hopefully use a VPN to secure your remote access and then do RDP. Uh, use modern endpoint solutions such as Kapersky uh, endpoint security for business. Uh, obviously they're gonna get their plug run. Some type of malware is what they're saying. Improve user education in the field of, of cybersecurity. And if you want, you can go to Kapersky Cybersecurity Awareness and offer you know, they offer computer-based training, right? Um, and you use a reliable backup scheme. So. All their points are salient. All all make sense. You know they're going to hit their plug. They're going to they spent money writing and editing and posting this article, so they're going to get their plug in for their technologies. So you know use antivirus, um, use your endpoint protection of some type, uh, improve user training and have a backup. And that's what uh, Mike Bra was going to tell you all the time. Have your backup. So and it should be offline or it should be in some place where if your network is attacked they can't get your backup either because they can encrypt your main network and they can encrypt your backup as well. It might as well not even have backup for ransomware at least. And we know there's, I have talked about this all the time. Backup for ransomware is different than backup for disaster recovery. It's different than backup for continuity of operations. If you're backing up your environment because of the ransomware risk, 
there's additional stuff you need to do. You need to go old school. Maybe you need to take it. And once it's backed up, take it off the network, have it physically disconnected from the network. Um, that might be, that might be the option you have there. So we've got going on here. Hold on one second. That's ah, all good. Making sure I don't have any problems with the stream. So that's what's going on. Uh, if you want to learn more about Wasted Locker, I'd say check out this article. Goes in depth about how Wasted Locker works. It's, it's pretty pretty cool, man. Pretty cool, pretty cool article. They uh, did a good job. Wow, that is terrible. You can't barely see that. I wouldn't bother, bother putting that up there. We'll take that back down. Um, Telos, uh, they do these vulnerability spotlights, and I think they're cool. Um, so Telos is doing a, a, a spotlight, vulnerability spotlight on some vulnerabilities in Microsoft Azure um, Security Operations Center uh, software. It's made up of, they talk about it, it's made up of several different ARM cores that have different roles. Uh, and Telos found out that there's vulnerabilities within vSphere that if you use some chaining, um, you can uh, execute arbitrary shell code in the restricted uh, Linux uh, user land of the A7 core, which normally provides a guarantee that only signed code can be executed on the device. Um, there's some caveats that certain um, types of programming language don't work. Um, there is an update for this, so they're, they're, they're fixing it, and Talos has their, their number. It's Talos 2020-1089, and they call it the Microsoft Azure uh, Sphere Kernel Messaging Ring Buffer Information Disclosure Vulnerability. Um, another one that the chain with is Talos 2020-1090, and that's the Microsoft Azure Sphere Normal World Application P-Trace Unsigned Code Verification uh, Execution Vulnerability. Um, so it, obviously it's, it's, it's exposing things that um, are coming through as unsigned code. And if we can chain these things, there's, there's the ability to um, execute arbitrary, arbitrary code or even do some denial of service. Because there's a couple other um, vulnerabilities tied in with this article, like uh, Neral Telos, 2020-1093 and 2020-1117. Uh, um, one is a specially crafted shell code can process non-writable memory to be written. And the other one is a denial of service. So there's a bunch of stuff going on in Azure. Um, that uh, their security operations center that is vulnerable. And it looks like, you know, it's, it, it's all available to be fixed, right? So it's not a terrible issue. The big thing is make sure that everything is updated and patched. Um, if you're in charge of this in your organization, if you're using this uh, Azure uh, security operations center, make sure make sure everything's patched. I think obviously that's a, a across the line, across the board statement. If you're using any of these products, make sure they're patched, make sure they're updated. Um, nice thing about this one, Telos, um, they've also included the snort rule. Um, so you can use the snort rule to detect the exploitation attempts. Um, an additional rule, their note here and there, uh, additional rules may be released at the future. Um, 
and current rules are subject to change pending adoption of vulnerability information. For the most current rule information, please refer to your Firepower Management Center or snort.org. Um, so if you're using snort to, as an IDS on your network, you can drop this uh, the snort rule in there and it'll find if somebody's trying to exploit this. Um, but it's just it's kind of like the, the, the wasted locker rundown. This is a rundown of the technical issues with um, Azure Security Operations Center. And that was a terrible Microsoft logo, by the way. Um, it's our last story, Grandstream. Um, if you're using Grandstream, um, ATAs for VoIP users. And what ATA is, it's analog to something. Uh, it's, basically, it converts um, your analog tele telephone to work on a voiceover IP network. Okay, a analog telephone adapter, ATA. Uh, there's a few patches out. Um, are a few vulnerabilities out for different components of the Grandstream ATA, and they, you know, they're they're the uh, HT800 series of ATAs uh, are designed for everyone from small home, small office, home office, uh, medium-sized businesses looking to connect their analog phone devices to a voice over IP network, a unified communication system, or an IP-based communicator infrastructure, according to analysis from Tenable, folks that. Uh, brought us Nessus. Um, the module, uh, modules have uh, four worrying flaws, all of them unpatched as of this writing, and the writing was uh, July 31st, uh, so Friday. So bug track to CVE, so these are all CVEs there. Uh, actual, actual CV scores uh, are 7.8 out of 10 for this first one, 2020, 57, 60 could allow command injection during the provisioning process. Unauthenticated remote attackers can execute arbitrary commands uh, as root by crafting special configuration file and sending the SIP message. Um, the next one, 2020-5761, is an infinite loop problem in the TR-069 service, uh, rated 7.5 out of 10, um, can re result in CPU exhaustion, uh, Yes, it's a, the device, according to the article, the device TR-069 service falls in an infinite loop when, uh, uh, if an unauthenticated remote attacker sends a TCP message that doesn't contain the carrier return character uh, backslash R. Uh, explained by Tenable of this advisory, the TR-069 service will then consume almost all of the system CPU resources until the system is reboot, rebooted. Um, the bug is trivial to trigger, the, the firm added. Um, part of the third issue, this is CVE 2020-5762, uh, another 7.5 out of 10. Denial of service caused by a null pointer, null pointer dereference uh, in the TR-069 service. Condition is triggered by uh, mishandling of the HTTP authentication field according to the CVE description. Um, system will crash when it gets that null pointer. Um, that's the last one. So if really the, the, the big point of this one, um, if you're using any of these adapters, and hopefully you know if you've got Grandstream adapters, um, and if you've got a normal phone and you're using it on a voice over IP network and you have some type of connector in there, check it out, see if there's see if it's a Grandstream adapter and see if you have, maybe you have a, a component, a network component on your network. 
um, this grand stream, you want to check for that too. Um, how they're impl implemented in different environments is different. And, and if you're using just like Cisco IP phones, you're, you're, you're more than likely in the clear for this one at least, because you're not, you know, that's a Cisco device is a voice over IP phone to start with. Um, but if you're using like a office phones that are made by, I don't know, whoever, um, Uniden or something like that, uh, maybe you've got these adapters that turn that analog phone into voice over IP phone. Um, that might that might be a big thing to check out for. So there's a bunch of bunch of vulnerabilities here. A lot of them are, you know, denial of service, uh, causing the service to crash. Um, looks like the first one, 7.8 is a little bit higher. Uh, the command line injection uh, during the provisioning process. Um, execute ar arbitrary commands by crafting a special configuration file and sending uh, the crafted SIP message. So that looks to me to be the worst one. Um, obviously, the rest of them are going to suck up your resources or cause your system to crash or uh, or do both. Um, there's there's all kinds of stuff in SIP. If you're you're a SIP guy, you're a telephone guy. Um, this is a whole new world. The phones are on our IP networks, just like everything else. So we've got all this other stuff. We've got all the, all the Internet of Things. We've got all these VoIP, VoIP traffic. We've got all this entertainment traffic. All this stuff traveling over our network. That's why we've got to have it as secure as we can. Um, personally, I'm not I'm not a SIP, I'm not big into voice over IP stuff. I don't know it very well. So if you any of you guys know you know, SIP stuff, well, I know there's a lot of attacks we can use. I know that my favorite, you know, it's kind of old and showing its, its age now is SIP Vicious. And I kind of like it just because of its own, its name, but that's a, a way to attack um, SIP phones. There's a plenty. If you've got SIP phones that expose the internet, you're definitely in a bad case there. Um, again, something, if you're a small office, home office, and you're setting up a voice over IP system, make sure you're locking down the security of that thing. Not just for these these grand stream devices, but for any devices you're using, um, because they can be attacked just like any other other device on your network. Um, it's not not a good thing. Um, and it's National Watermelon Day. Uh, sometimes we forget we're in the middle of summer, so it's easy to forget in these days of pandemic, I guess. But it, it's Watermelon Day. We should be. I don't know that I've had I've had barely any watermelon this summer. I don't know. It's just because. We're not going out like we used to go out. We're not doing things we used to do. Uh, we're not in that big mix of things. I don't know. But hey, um, there's a link to how to celebrate Watermelon Days by a, a WFAE uh, 90.7. It's out of uh, Charlotte, it looks like, their radio station. Uh, but they've got a big thing on, uh, on celebrating National Watermelon Day. It starts out, whoever said there's no holidays in August didn't know about National Watermelon Day. It's August 3rd, and we admit it snuck up on us here at WFAE at, oh, duh, duh sorry, WFAEATS, they play on their little logo there. Um, so we're slicing and dicing as fast as we can to get you the tips you need, along with a few new amazing uh, facts to amaze your friends. Uh, a bunch of facts, some some recipes here. Talks about the biggest watermelon. Uh, Christopher Kent's record, 350-pound uh, uh, Carolina Cross variety in Tennessee. It's big. That's a big old watermelon. Uh, but there's some stuff, some information if you want to learn about watermelon. National Watermelon Day. Um, 
you got to have you got something to talk about at the water cooler. Talk about National Watermelon Day. Um, in our world, uh, now that we're done with the news, at least stuff stuff as of up to about seven thirty. Um, <laughs> thank you, Alex. Hopefully, we're, hopefully that's for sharing National Watermelon facts with you. Um, but we made it this far. Let's talk a little bit about a device that came in. So this came in. Um, and these things are usually pretty doggone expensive. Um, these are the sensors for your 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 home environment, right? So you can put these sensors in, and you can tie them into your smart home. So, for example, if you set this up in a, a room that maybe has a, an external door, um, if there's certain periods of time, you maybe say from from dusk to dawn, if somebody is walking in that room turn the lights on. Um, maybe because it's got an external door, maybe you're gonna say, also uh, turn on a camera. Maybe there's a camera in that room that you wanna record the action. Maybe it's in case somebody breaks in that back door, the lights will come on, the camera will start recording. Um, so those little sensors, and those sensors can be, they can cost um, anywhere from, this one was about $15, but then go to $20, $30. So this one just came in, this is the, uh, I can't remember the, the PIR motion detector uh, pet, and this is this one's this one's pet immune. Um, let's give you let's give you the Emotet view. I think that's what we decided to call our gorilla is Emotet, and our new lens is not in yet, so we still are dealing with a little bit of uh, crazy lighting here. So this is what comes in the box. You get the mount, put that thing on the wall. Get some screws, and then you get the device itself. So it's not not extremely high quality packaging here, but I guess the device is what we really care about. So this is the device. Comes with some great information about how to set it up and junk like that. Um, this thing needs a couple AA batteries. I'm not. Uh, we'll see. It says it uses low power, and that's so we don't have to run any kind of weird wiring to it or anything like that. So. Looks like this can be um, moved around a little bit, can be turned. At least uh, it's got like a ball joint here that attaches to the back. You slide this thing, you can screw this to the wall. I guess that's the best way to do it. Screw this thing to the wall. You got a couple of little screws here and a couple of those little wall anchors. Get that thing put on the wall. We're going to put it somewhere. We're going to test it out. We're going to put it through its paces. It says it's pet friendly, which means that if it sees a pet at you know pet height, um, up to, uh, they say, 25 kilograms, because it's made outside the United States. That's about 55 pounds to you and me. Um, it's cool. I mean, it, it's it, it's not bad, and it's out of the box. They say it's supposed to work with uh, Amazon Alexa and Google Home. So we'll see how that works. We'll put it through its paces. We'll let you know if it's worth buying these things. Um, I think they actually go like, looks like that's up. Uh, Little weird circle on top. That's got to be some kind of light to tell you if it's on or not. Um, we'll put things. We'll throw some batteries in this thing. We'll get it on the network. We'll see how it works. We'll let you know. It's about fifteen dollars. It would be nice to have it somewhere like if you come in maybe to your house from the basement all the time. If you had this in your basement where you come in through the basement, it turns the lights on. Maybe you're coming in in the dark or something like that. I do like the fact of having this somewhere where it's got. You know, I always look at the security features of something like this. Um, you have it in a room where there's an exterior door. 
maybe you have uh, you know your your alarm type settings that if somebody comes in that room after a certain hour, turn those cameras on, start recording stuff. Um, if somebody takes all your stuff, they're going to take all your stuff. But if you have some kind of proof to go back after them, see who was there. Another thing you can set off, you know, in that same situation, you can chain events, right? So we can have the lights come on, we can have the camera come on, and we can even have Alexa say, you know, we can have Alexa tell us something that, hey, someone's in the basement. Uh, maybe that can, you can announce that on all floors, on all your Alexa devices. Hey, someone's in the basement. Uh, gives you a little warning if you're, you know, a couple floors up. It might give you that, that warning you need. So if this thing works good, we'll get a couple more of them. Now they long lead times are coming from overseas. So we'll have to check that out. Make sure there's no vulnerabilities on this thing. Um, but yeah, jump jumps right on your wireless network. Yet another thing with their own wireless network. But that's why we have to segment this thing out. Um, so where we know if it's a device like this that, you know, we'll check it out. We'll make sure we'll run our risk assessment on it. Make sure there's nothing we see nefarious on it. But it's always better to have those devices on a separate network. They don't need to talk to your home network. They don't need to talk to your computers. They only need to talk to the internet. These things need to talk to the internet, and that's it. So you should limit them to the internet. That's that's who they need to talk to. Um, so that's why we're segmenting off. We're segmenting all our IoT stuff off. Only the stuff that has to talk back to our home network is going to be able to get passed back through. Everything else is going to be only allowed to talk to the internet. Um, so again, something we'll check out. We'll check this thing out. We'll run it through its paces. We'll see how it works. Um, it's good. We'll probably put put a couple of these things out. Um, definitely indoor only. It's it's only good for indoor. I just lost had a the light controller for that bright light right there. Just fell off the table. So we'll check it out. We'll see how it works. We'll let you know if it's worth it. We'll, we'll let you know. You know, even if you don't have a big old bunch of IoT stuff on your network, one of these things maybe at your you know front door, back door, and just just announcing to your your smart speaker that hey somebody's somebody's coming in the front door might be a good good warning enough warning to get you prepared in case friends are coming over or in case not friendly folks are coming over and that's what we have to worry about we have to protect yourselves protect your family protect your friends family co-workers that's what we're all about we don't just worry about cyber we worry about physical security as well that's why we talk about our controls we talk about physical controls in there too this can be one of them this can tie into your your network we'll make sure it's secure we'll make sure we do it the right way but it can help our physical environment make sure we're staying secure that's what we're all about so hopefully you got good things planned uh, it's good as always to see you guys um samaz hopefully i'm saying that right samaz six um if you are in italy uh, i'd love to hear a little bit more about what you got going on how you found us and uh what security like it over there if you're in italy that means you got gdpr to deal with so interesting to hear from you if you if you are over there if you're not that's cool too um still like to hear from you Restream, you get yet another day because it seems like it's working. <laughs> it's just a, a lag to get going, I guess. So, Alex, um, there's that delay again, right? I've got Alex saying good session. I think it's always a good session when you guys see you guys in the morning. Um, ransomware was the ransomware was the topic of the day. Hopefully, you go out think about ransomware. If you're going into your environment where you're providing protective services to a an organization, whether that's government or private, um, think about what are they doing for ransomware? They, again, like I said before, if ransomware is not on your risk profile for your organization, talk to your risk manager, your risk executive function, if you have one, if they don't have ransomware on your risk profile in any size organization today, 
I think you're wrong. You're wrong. You need to have that as as a threat actor, a threat, an attack vector, a threat actor that's going to come after you as one of these ransomware agents um, that are coming after everyone. So that's why hopefully you got the hows and whys this morning. There's a lot of good information, a lot of research that's been put out on ransomware and this, uh, this bug in uh, Azure. So hopefully that gets you started in the day, gets you information to talk about. You're ready to go out there and get some, as Mike would say. Um, I'm going to say be careful, take care of each other, take care of your friends, family, and coworkers. That's what we're here for. As a security risk professional, we're the ones that you got to know this stuff and you got to keep up on it so you keep your friends, family, and coworkers secure. That's what I'm, what's, that's what I'm here for, to try to make sure you guys are you know, helping each other do that, helping me do that. That's, that's what I want to do this for, to help you guys get move, moving forward. So keep moving forward, keep doing the right thing. If you can, if you haven't yet, obviously hit the subscribe button over there. Um, hit like on the video, hit the bell over there too, so that you can, you can be notified when we go live. Um, share with your friends. Um, this week we're gonna have the new schedule out, Alex. I know you're gonna say, what in the heck happened to the old schedule? It just got blown away. But we've got a new, new vision, a new focus for August. We're coming in hot. We're going to be doing getting the uh, all all these things back up and running. All the uh, Cyber Insider and the Get Into It, in addition to Cup of Cyber. Back on, I don't know if they're going to be Monday and Thursday. We'll have to see. I think the dates may change. So we might have to update our virtual background back there. So that being said, until tomorrow, you guys be good. And we'll, we'll see you in the morning again.